The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You guys uh, awake this morning? Okay, I, I'm not very awake this morning, and a couple others told me they're not awake, so um, don't worry, I don't have any stash of tomatoes to throw, though. I, I joked that I was going to with John, but it, it's safe, John, I promise, so no tomatoes this morning. It's so wonderful to be back with you all. It's been three weeks since I've preached, which is uh, a long time to not preach, so I hope you guys are buckled in for about an hour and 20 minutes this morning. No, I'm just kidding. It's probably one of the, the shorter ones, although I did my notes a little bit differently this week, so I have no clue how long it's ultimately going to be. I, I promise we won't go that long. Uh, it's been really wonderful to kind of reflect back on what the Lord has been doing in our midst over the last seven months. The Lord has been growing us both deeper into his word, into our understanding of what it means to follow faithfully after him, but he's also been growing us a bit wider as well. We've been growing as a congregation, and both of those things are, are things to be celebrated and to rejoice after because God is on the move in the North Country. There we go. We're awake. Okay, I was hoping that we were just going to go right in there and say amen. You guys are on top of it. The Lord has been doing wonderful things, and this next season as we go into the fall, we're leaning more into what God is doing. So in about a month from now, we're going to be launching small groups, and these are going to be small groups that meet in homes throughout the week, and it's something that I have been chomping at the bit to launch over the last nine months. Like literally on day one, I wanted to launch them, but I knew we needed some time to work up towards that. So September 11th, that Sunday, is when we're going to be launching into small groups. And this is ultimately to uh, see our vision be fulfilled here in the North Country. Anyone remember what our vision is? Louder. You get a prize. Gold star to Sarah this morning. Our vision is to see our community and world develop a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist as a church. It's the thing that we're working towards. But how are we going to do that? How are we going to see our community and our world develop a transformational relationship with Jesus? It's a big, broad goal. And in order to, to get there, we need to have some building blocks in order to obtain that. And if you guys remember way back in March, I know it may have seemed like just yesterday, but back at the end of March, we actually did our Vision Sunday where we laid out over the next five years what we're hoping to accomplish as a church. And we laid out three different areas. We hope to be a 
reaching church, an equipping church, and a sending church. And we laid out some numbers with that. Over the next five years, we hope to see 100 new people become followers of Jesus for the first time. We hope to have 80 plus percent of our congregation active in small groups. And we hope to send out a church plant somewhere throughout the North Country. Those were some of the, the goals that we laid out as a church to begin to see that vision, to see our community and world develop a transformational relationship with Jesus fulfilled. That's what we're working towards, and that's the how uh, that we're working to see that happen. But I got some bad news for us. I want to kind of do something this morning to make us remember that obtaining any vision is uncomfortable. It means that we're going against the status quo. It means that there's some friction. It means that there's taking away some things that maybe we like or doing things differently than we would have done them in the past. To see a vision fulfilled, we have to get out of our comfort zones. We have to do things a bit differently. It's about putting God's mission above our preferences. And by and large, this isn't a sermon to say you guys are doing terrible at that. We're doing pretty good at this. God is working in our midst and we're not like grumbling through everything that we're doing. That's not what I'm trying to do this morning. So please don't take it as that. It's just I'm trying to remind us that in order to get to where we're going, that there's still going to be some difficulty and friction in the days ahead. And part of that is making us remember that God is at work. He is at work, and anytime we see God being at work, we see people naturally want to be like, well, I don't want to do that. I've been reading through Exodus this week, and it's really easy when you read through Exodus to see God being at work and the Israelites being like, well, can we just go back to Egypt? Like, like God, it was better in Egypt when we were slaves. We didn't have to worry about things. We didn't think we were going to die out in the desert. It's always this tendency within us to retract back into what's comfortable for us. Most churches, instead of obtaining the vision that they set out for themselves, over time go into this place of self-preservation where it's making ourselves feel comfortable. It's about uh, just uh, meeting the needs within the body. It's, you know, having a good old rally on Sunday mornings where we sing a few songs, we shake some hands, kiss some babies, and then we go out to lunch as quickly as we possibly can and never ultimately are changed. And that's what I hope doesn't happen in this church. I hope that we continue down the path of seeing our community and world develop a transformational relationship with Jesus. And so my goal today is just to lovingly challenge us to get ready for this new season, to remind us that God is at work, that we're joining him on his mission, and that we got some things to do over this next season to see that vision fulfilled. So I want to give you my one-line summary of what we're hoping to do today in this sermon. It's this, as a church, we must show radical hospitality to one another and the world around us, faithfully serve as stewards of God's grace, and be united in love while keeping our hearts and minds fixed firmly on Jesus and his gospel in this late hour. That's the, the one-line summary of our passage and what we're hoping to do in this sermon today. I'm going to read it again for us so that we can kind of know where we're going this morning. As a church, we must show radical hospitality to one another and the world around us, faithfully serve as stewards of God's grace and be united in love while keeping our hearts and minds fixed firmly on Jesus and his gospel in this late hour. It sounds simple. Those aren't things that are like really difficult to attain to, 
but they do require us to sacrifice. They do require us to be selfless. They do require us to keep our eyes focused upon Jesus and know what he's calling us to do. So I want to go ahead and we're going to go line by line through the text that we read this morning and kind of break this down as we go. So we'll start in 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert, sober mind, that you may pray. This sets the stage for our ministry. It sets the stage for, for everything that we do. Peter writes, the end of all things is near. And, and I just want to point out, he wrote that about 2,000 years ago. He said, the end of all things is near. But that's what underscores everything we do as a church. There is a day when Jesus is coming back. It is near, and we must work as though we know he is coming back. It means we, we shape our lives and our ministry around this idea that one day Jesus will return to judge the earth, that every person will have to stand before his throne and give an account of what they've done with their lives. And you and I sitting here, knowing the good news of the gospel, are to take it to the world around us. Not hoarding it as something like, well, I got this, but that dirty, rotten world out there doesn't know what they're doing, and one day they're going to get what's coming to them. That's not what this passage is about. This passage is about you've received God's grace. You've received his mercy. You've received his love that's above all other love. Now go into all the world and share that love with everyone else so that they may come to know God so that when the end does come, they will stand before him and say, Jesus is the one who redeemed me. That's what we work towards as a church. That's why we talk about the end times. Not so that we can put on our tinfoil hats and, and do the charting of what's to come and then this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is to happen. That's not why we talk about the end times. We talk about the end times to remember our mission in the world around us. Okay, that, that, that makes sense to all of us? Okay, you guys are less awake now, so I'm worried. Okay, let me break it down just a little bit more. Here's the things that we typically get wrong about the end times. Maybe we'll, we'll start there. Looking at our immediate cultural context around us, it, we can look at what's going on around us and say, oh, it's getting real bad out there, so Jesus must be coming back really quickly. We have these, these blinders that are just focused on our immediate context where we can just see what's right in front of us, and we make decisions based off of that. But I got some news for us. The North Country, New York, the United States, North America is not the central of the world. It doesn't mean whatever happens here, that means that, oh, Jesus is really concerned about that compared to other parts of the world. The, the message is that God so loved the world that he cares for the entire world. So we can't just look at what's going on in our context and be like, well, Jesus must be really concerned because it's happening here. Because at the same time that bad things are happening here, in some of the darkest places in the world, Christianity is growing at exponential rates. Anyone know where the fastest growing church in the world is? What was that? Uh, it used to be. Uh? Someone said it. There you go. Someone paid attention in a small group. Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. The place where it's incredibly difficult to follow Jesus. The place where it's illegal to follow Jesus. The place where you will get killed for following Jesus is the place that's fastest growing in the world. Why is that? Because the gospel 
is always able to overtake the darkness. The darkness is not greater than the gospel, and we must live our lives in that reality. We can't look at the world around and say, oh, it's getting dark. We need to retract and retreat into our little holy huddles and just hope that the world out there, you know, gets what's coming to it. We, we talked about that way back when we went through Jonah. You guys remember that? We can't sit on the sidelines and be like, well, Nineveh's real bad over there. I hope it gets what's coming to it. Instead, we have to be the prophet that takes the good news to the people that are not knowing their right hand from their left hand and show them that God's radical love is able to save them from every sin, from every vice, from every wrongdoing that's present in their lives. And I got some news for us. Christians have looked at our culture through these blinders. It's not just you and me. It's not just uh, the West. It's not just here in America. Christians have done this for 2,000 years. We can look through church history and you'll see things like 88 reasons Jesus is going to return in 1988. Didn't happen. Uh, we see that throughout history at time and time and time again where people sell everything. They go onto the rock and they're praying and they're waiting and they're just waiting for Jesus to pop out of the clouds and then they're thoroughly disappointed when it doesn't happen. Christians have done this for 2,000 years. It's not something that's new to us, but it is something that we're prone to do. And so that's one of the things that I want to get into us this morning, is that we can't be prone to just look at the world around us and be like, well, Jesus, come back within my lifetime. Christians have been saying that for 2,000 years. What is our, our task in the world, whether Jesus comes back in 10 years or 10,000 years? What's our task in the world? Great Commission, to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Christ commands. That's our task in the world, whether Jesus returns in 10 years, in 10 minutes, or in 10,000 years, our task remains the same. Peter underscores this, that the end of all things is near. We don't know what that word near means. It's coming, it's going to happen, and so we should live with this end times mindset. That one day Jesus is coming back and we want to take as many people alongside of us to stand before God and say, I know Jesus, I've been washed by his blood. That's what we, we should and shouldn't do. There are three specific things in this verse that I want to highlight that Peter tells us. He tells us to be alert. And I think this is the one that we, we understand more than any others in this verse. We're, we're alert. Like we know what's going on in the world around us. In fact, sometimes we're, we're too alert to those things and we've allowed those things to misform and misshape our souls. And we actually got to be very careful to know the next thing that Peter tells us to do. Because he doesn't just tell us to be alert and to know what everything is happening and to know that evil abounds in the world around us. What does he say right after that? He says, be sober-minded. It's about knowing to be joyful in hope, to be patient in affliction, to be constant in prayer, as Paul would talk about in Romans 12. It's about knowing that, yes, the world is evil. Sinners are going to sin. The world is going to continue to be worldly. That shouldn't come as a surprise to us. We should know that's happening. We should be alert towards it. We should guard ourselves against the sinful uh, inclinations of our heart. We should do those things, but we should also be sober-minded. 
Knowing that greater that is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is greater than any other spirit in the world. To, to, to be sober-minded. To rest in the laurels of Jesus and his gospel above all other things. Because there's this thing that typically happens when we're alert. We can either be alert and then start raging against the world, putting on our boxing gloves and just going jab, 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 right hook. Or we can begin to lay ourselves down and serve the world and show them the good news of the gospel. But you can't do both things at the same time. You can't rage against the world and also love your neighbor as yourselves at the same time. You can't wash someone's feet and yell at them at the same time. I mean, you could, but it's not something that's good to do. But that's typically what we end up trying to do, right? We're like, okay, you dirty, rotten sinners out there, but I'm going to try and wash your feet a little bit. God wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to be sober-minded. Our minds need to be renewed, to be fixated on the promise and the hope that is the gospel of Jesus Christ that can overcome all things. The end may come in 10 years. It may come in 10,000 years. Our focus remains on spreading the good news of the gospel. Peter tells us one other thing to do in this first verse. Pray. This is what we desperately need. To pray. If we prayed before we reacted to what we see in the world around us, God's heart would grab a hold of our heart. If we would be alert to what's happening and then immediately start praying about it, our hearts would be transformed. That's something that I wish we could get inside of us. To not be so reactionary, but to be people of prayer. To, yes, be alert to everything that's happening in the world, but then to drop to our knees and say, Lord, move in our midst. Lord, send revival. Lord, send out workers into your harvest field. You know what happens when we do that? When we see what's happening and drop to our knees in prayer, the same thing that happens in Matthew 9 and 10. Because Jesus says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into his harvest field in Matthew 9, 37 through 38. And then we typically stop there because there's a chapter break. But then in verses 1 through 8 of chapter 10, he then says, now go into the world that you just prayed for. You're the workers that you prayed for. You're the ones to go and take the good news of the gospel. If we'll be people where our hearts are yearning after prayer, our hearts become transformed. It's what happens when we're renewed. We're then sent out on mission with the very thing that we're praying for. God, would you transform this world? Would you eradicate evil? Would you pour out your spirit? And he says, that's what I've anointed you to do. That's the commission I've given you to go make disciples of all nations. That's our task in the world around us. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He gave us that in the model prayer to pray that God's kingdom would come, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's something that we shouldn't just pray. It shouldn't just be lip service, but it be, should be something that gets a hold of us. 
N.T. Wright says this is how this happens. He says the kingdom will come as the church, energized by the Spirit, goes out into the world. That's how God's kingdom comes in the world. As the church, energized by the Spirit, rooted in prayer, goes out into the world with the good news of the gospel. Sharing the love and the hope that we have in Jesus. Sharing that God changes our hearts, he changes our minds, that he blots out our sin, that he makes us white as snow. Preaching that there is forgiveness in Jesus. That's how the world is transformed. As we pray, we're inviting God to intervene in our world. And that has the transformative power to change our hearts and mobilize us toward mission. Be alert, be sober-minded, pray. The end of all things is near, so be rooted in the good news of the gospel. Let's look at verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. So we love one another by embodying the gospel. As we live out the gospel message, to love one another as Christ loved us. It actually compels other people to turn towards Jesus. When people see the love that we have for one another, that's when they know that Christ is in us. When they know that our hearts have been transformed, it's what literally compels people towards Jesus. It's this idea of covering over a multitude of sins. And I want to read in James 5, 19 through 24, because that idea of covering over a multitude of sins has been, well, we just, we get misconstrued a lot when we start trying to think of that. It's like, oh, you know, you just got to love one another, and that means all the sin in your life is going to be, no, that, that's not what he's talking about. Let's look at James 5, 19 through 20 to give a better idea. My brothers and sisters, If one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. That's the idea of it. It's about their lives being transformed, their sins being washed away by noticing the love that you have for one another. They notice the love of Jesus, turn to him, repent, receive justification, and their sins are washed away. That's what happens if we are serious about the gospel. We must be people that are compelled by love. God was. His whole mission is rooted in love. Does anyone remember the obscure verse, John 3.16? None of us should know that one, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God's mission is rooted in his love for the world. We must be people that are compelled by love, joining God in his mission on the earth to spread his love with all people, to spread the news that in Jesus there is forgiveness of sins. That's the solution that our world needs. It needs the gospel. And we must be people that have the love of God within us, that have been transformed by the love of God ourselves so that we might preach the love of God to other people. 
As we have been changed by God, and I mean really changed, not that we raised our hand and we prayed a prayer and we said, Jesus, would you please come into my heart? As we've really been changed by the gospel, as we've surrendered, as we've laid ourselves down, as we've accepted God's love and say, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And we know how he looks upon us and how he calls us his children. And he says that we're redeemed that we're ransomed, that we're rescued. Once we know that, it becomes a lot easier to go into the world and share it with others. Because then we're just sharing it to other people, saying, I know that you don't get it yet, but let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. I was dead in my trespasses. I was lost in my sin. I was blind to his things. But then I met Jesus, and he washed me. He cleaned me. He forgave me of all my sins. I didn't deserve it. I definitely didn't earn it. And the good news is you can have this same life too. It's not just for me. It's for you. It's for everyone. It's what happens when we're compelled by love. Yes, let's be concerned about the state of the world, but let that concern grow through the love of God. Because that's where the gospel is rooted. God saw and he was concerned with what was happening in the world. And so he made a solution through Jesus. But know that the solution is in Jesus. Go make disciples. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This is the, the, the meat of the message that I wanted to get to this morning for us. This is the root of what we're talking about today. So we're going to have more of a heart-to-heart. -heart. Is that okay with you guys? Okay, is that, is that okay with you guys? Okay, good. I want to make sure you're still awake. The, the secret tomato compartment's down there. Just kidding. We're growing. We should rejoice in that. It's exciting what God is doing in our midst. Over the last year, we've gone from a church that averages about 55 to a church that averages about 75. And we're not rooted in, oh, attendance is all the things. The reason that we track those things is because every number represents a person and every person matters to God. And so we celebrate those things of God growing and doing things in our midst. We celebrate people coming to know Jesus because that has happened in our midst. We celebrate these things, but there are some practical things we need to do in order to continue down this path. Remember that danger of where churches typically end up going towards self-preservation? It's this idea of not in my backyard. Like there are new people coming in and they want to do things differently and they don't look like me and they don't think like me and they kind of smell. Just kidding on that one. But we often go into that idea more and more. It's difficult for us to, to go on a trajectory of growth long term. And so what I want to do today is just give us some practical things we need to do as a body of Christ to make sure that we continue serving our community well, so that we continue down this path of seeing our vision fulfilled within our community. 
The first thing that we're talking about is this idea of hospitality. How we treat others matters. We're to show hospitality without grumbling. That's what Peter has just called us to do. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The ironic thing about this is I was super grumbly this morning. Like I I woke up and I just, you know, I was tired and sleepy and I did not want to show, I probably didn't show love to Brooke well. And Brooke's up there in the AV booth if you're wondering where she is, making sure our slides go well. I wasn't super into this, do this without grumbling this morning. I was like, I just need some coffee and a nap. That's what I felt like this morning. I need some coffee and a nap. Amen? But I have to remind myself that this is what God has called us to do. This is the place that he's called us to. So I can't be here all on Sunday morning just all sulking and somber. I have to, to awaken something within me to, to show this hospitality without grumbling. And that's what I want to call us towards this morning. So let me define this idea of hospitality. Hospitality is the application of the golden rule into all areas of our life. Let me say that again. Hospitality is the application of the golden rule into all areas of our life. In other words, treat other people how you want to be treated. Treat other people how you want to be treated. That's the golden rule. It's the crux of what we're built on top of. Treating others as we ourselves would want to be treated. As a church, this is something that we must embody. It must get into the core of who we are. Because as a church, it can be really easy to gather together on Sunday morning and to reunite with our friends and just focus on the ones that we already know and have conversations with them and not really care about the outsiders and the new people and the guests who are coming in and make them do crazy things like run in a circle while singing a song or come up here and look at some boxes and tell us what is or isn't inside of the box, right? That would be a weird thing to do and not a way to show hospitality. That's what happened last week. But you're back. We're happy. The thing about hospitality is it's something that must get embodied and embedded into who we are. It's not something that we can have as a ministry. It's not something for certain people to do. It's not something for the greeters and the people at the Next Step Center to do. It's not a cup of coffee. It's not food. It's not anything like that. Hospitality is you and I getting the gospel so inside of us that it becomes an outflow of who we are. That the love of God would naturally flow from us. When people come into this church for the first time, they should feel welcomed. They should feel expected. They should feel like they belong here. And that's something that doesn't happen because of a ministry. It's not something that happens because we have the correct systems in place or because we have the processes in place or anything like that. It happens when each and every one of us take initiative to embody the gospel within us. It takes all of us to see this happen. There was a tweet that uh, I like Twitter sometimes, sometimes a little too much. But I use it for good, I promise. There's an apologist and Bible teacher uh, named Rebecca McLaughlin, and uh, she shared this recently. She says, my husband has three rules of engagement when we go to church. Number one, an alone person in our gathering is an emergency. Number two, friends can wait. And number three, introduce a newcomer to someone else. This is profound 
Bible teaching that you're going to have to search far and wide. I'm just kidding. It's a simple low bar for us. But someone that's alone is an emergency. They shouldn't have to sit by themselves and us go and talk to the, the people that we already know. We should go searching after them just like Jesus does for any of us that are by ourselves. We should be people that embody that message. We should be people that say, I love my friends. I want to spend time with them, but Sunday morning isn't the time where I just go and gather towards them. Call them. You got one of these things in your phone. Like reconnect with your friends throughout the week. Let's get to know people that we don't know on Sunday mornings. Let's go towards them and earnestly learn about them. Not be like, hey, I'm Kevin. Okay, bye. Good luck. You know, you, yeah, we're, that's not the hospitality we're talking about. I've been in churches like that, where everyone comes up to you, hey, I'm so-and-so, and then they leave, and then like three other people, and you're just like, I'm like, I know you guys think you're being welcoming, but it really just feels really off-putting when I got 37 people coming and shaking my hand and not stopping to learn anything about me. We actually, uh, Brooke and I went to a church while we were in Texas, and um, it was a very interesting experience for us. We got to worship, and it was a church that I grew up in, and I don't really, I know a couple of people that are still there, um, but very, very few. Um, and, you know, I was much smaller, less bearded, had more hair on top of my head when I was a teenager going to that church. It was a church that I was called to ministry in, the church that I first responded to the gospel in, and so I was excited to be there. It, it was one of those uh, Ebenezer's in my life, one of those monument stones in my life where I was excited to go back and worship God. But the experience we had there wasn't that great. They had all the things in place. They had someone outside under this big connection tent, and they had water ready to hang out. But when we walked up to him, he was like this, talking to someone else, to another person that was volunteering. He didn't notice us until we were by him. He's like, hey, you want some? And we were already gone at that point. We come to the front, there's an overwhelming number of people there to greet and welcome us and, you know, kind of push open the door while you got to, you know, slide beside them as you walk in and your bellies touch and all that fun stuff. That's okay. And then we get in and people start coming up to us in the meet and greet time in the services, which is always awkward because you're just sitting there when you don't know anyone and everyone else is talking to the people they already know. And then finally someone comes up to you and they start asking about you and you're like, yeah, we, we're, we live in New York. We're just here visiting family for the weekend. And then they're like, oh, I'm sorry you live in New York. And I'm like, I'm not. Like I am a messenger of the gospel sent to proclaim good news to the people that need it. And I may have said that a little enthusiastically to the person. <laughs> and they were just like, okay, <laughs> and then walk off. The point is, we can easily put all these fronts up. We can have all the correct systems in place. We can do things the way that we're supposed to do. But at the end of the day, if you and I, if the people sitting here don't actually share, show love for the people that come in that aren't already part of the group, they're not going to come back. They're not going to feel the love of Jesus. They're not going to tune in to the gospel message. Uh, there's an author named Danny Franks, and he serves as a connection pastor. And he says this, the gospel is offensive. Nothing else should be in church. The gospel is offensive on its own. It's a stumbling block, is what Paul says. People hear the gospel, and they're going to be like, resurrected Jesus, zombie man. Like, I don't know about all of that. It's a stumbling block. It's a difficult thing. It's offensive. 
Nothing else in the church should be. We should be people that show radical love. People, when, when other people walk in that have never been here before, they feel like the most important person in the world. We're going for the Chick-fil-A experience, not the McDonald's experience. And you guys all know what I'm talking about. We're not going for the, hey, can, how can I help you today? Can I get your order? Like, hey, welcome to Chick-fil-A. It's my pleasure to serve you here today. That's, that's what we're going for. Not so that it's commoditized, not that it's something like that, but it's because we want people to know the gospel. So I got some really helpful phrases for you introverts this morning. You, you guys excited for this? Because I am, can sometimes be a little bit introverted. Brooke can be very introverted. I know some of you guys are with me like Sarah, super introverted. So here's some freebies for you. Hi, I'm Kevin. I don't think we've met yet. What's your name? Mind-blowing stuff this morning, guys. I know. Really deep truths that we're uncovering. How long have you been coming? Oh, it's your first week? How did you find out about the church? I know. Rocket science here. What does this coming week look like for you? What was last week like for you? It's these little windows where we get to start conversations with people, learn a little bit about them, spend some time with them, and get to hear who they are. It's what we should do. I got one more practical thing on this idea of hospitality for us. So if you guys have noticed, we've moved some things around. Our entryway is where we have the next step center. It's where we have our greeters. Can we keep that area clear? Like, I, I know sometimes we go there and we're like, hey, it's good to see you. I know I haven't seen you in like seven days. And we spend time talking to our greeters and the person at the Next Step Center. Can we keep that area clear as we, we walk through? So that people that are coming here for the first time feel like they're not rushed, like they can come easily to the Next Step Center. They can hand in a connection card. They can have conversations. Really simple, practical thing that we knew. I, I know, again, rocket science for us this morning. Okay, I want to talk about serving for a moment. And this is the part where I'm going to challenge you a bit more. These other ones have been a little bit easier, but now I'm going to challenge you a little bit on serving. Does anyone know how many volunteers it takes for us to run at 100% every Sunday? Anyone want to guess? Okay, is it 10? Eight? Okay, we got all the worship team, we got greeters, we got nursery workers, we got audio visual, we got 23. 23 people to run at 100% every week. That's uh, not including me, that's not including Sam. Well, I, I don't remember if you were in that number or not. So 22, 23 if we count Sam. It's a lot of people that it takes for us to do everything that we do week in and week out. And here's the truth. We don't have enough people doing it. Oh, this is where I got you, right? You guys are recognizing, like, I walked right into that. I guessed the number, and I was way too low on the number. And then I saw that it was higher than normal. And then, yeah, dang it, he got me this morning. We need more help. And this isn't one of those things where I'm saying like we have very low percentage of people serving. We have a high percentage of people serving in this church. We're, we're doing a good job. One of the first things that I said when I came here is that we're a church of 60 trying to act like we're a church of 100. 
And, and that was one of the things that I, I knew there was this idea of volunteer burnout and these difficulties because we had so many people doing so many roles. And we're trying to make it where we're not doing that. Or we're not doubling up on people every single Sunday and they're not working four weeks in a row and not able to be here in the Sunday gathering because they're in kids' church or nursery every single week. We're trying to, to get out from that. And so we need some help. We need some help from each of you. In verse 10, Peter says that we are to use our various gifts to serve others and that when we do that, we're being stewards of God's grace. Serving one another, serving within the body of Christ is about stewarding the grace that we've received from God. God's grace is an empowerment to serve others. It's not just saying, oh, yep, I'm good before God. I've received his grace. I've received his mercy. Check, and now I'm just going to go live my life on its own. When we receive God's grace, it's him inviting us to serve one another in love. And serving isn't always convenient. It's not always something that we want to do. Sometimes we'd rather get some coffee and take a nap. But serving is the currency of the kingdom of God. Serving is how things happen in the kingdom. Prayer to serving as well. When we serve, we're partnering with God. We're partners in his mission. We're ambassadors of his kingdom. And when we serve, we're part of every single change life that happens through the ministry of this church. So here's a challenge. You saw it coming. You knew the punchline well ahead of time. If you're a regular attender here in this church, I'm not talking to the visitors, though if you're a visitor and you're ready to get plugged in, talk to me afterwards about uh, our starting point. I'd love to talk to you about that. If you're a regular attender at this church, I want to challenge you to serve one or two times a month. One, if it's, you know, you're, you're new and you're just trying to get your feet wet, maybe two occasionally. Some of those are, are before service. Sometimes that may be in kids' church or nursery. But I'm going to challenge you to serve one or two Sundays a month. Really difficult stuff here. And I'm going to have uh, our Dave contingency, or, or a part of our Dave contingency, pass out some handouts for us. And these, you guessed it, sign-up forms for serving. Uh, these are different things that you can look through, different ministry areas that we have within the church. And I will say that just because you check something doesn't necessarily mean you'll serve in that, uh, in that ministry area. If you sound like a goat that's just inhaled some helium, you're probably not going to sing on Sunday morning. So just because you check it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to serve in that area. It's just uh, some preferences and we'll have some conversations about different ministry areas that may be a better fit for you. So sound like a goat sucking in some helium, probably not up here on Sunday morning. But, you know, everything else is, is fair game there. <laughs> that was specifically to help Sam out. <laughs> I get to be the bad guy, not him. Uh, as you look over that, if, if that's something that you're interested in, you're ready to do that, you can fill that out and bring it to the Next Step Center as you leave today. Uh, I want to wrap up by reading verse 11 of 1 Peter 4. It says this, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That's the bottom line. 
everything we do. Whether we speak, whether we serve, it's so that God may be glorified and praised. Everything we do is for that. We don't exist as a church to make us feel good or to have a nice social gathering. That's not why we exist. We exist to glorify God and share the good news of salvation so that people might turn towards God, so that people might experience his, God, his good love so that they might surrender to the good news of the gospel. We have an opportunity to speak to and serve the world as ambassadors to God, as ambassadors of God. Let's steward that opportunity well. It's our opportunity to go into all the world with the good news. Let's steward that well. So as you are looking over that, I got to remind us about church at the beach. Church at the Beach is next Sunday. It's going to be not here, but at the beach. It's not on the beach. It's uh, close to, adjacent to the beach. So if you're going to uh, the Plattsburgh City Beach, behind the Crete, between the, the Crete and uh, the beach, we'll have this giant field with a stage in it, uh, pop-up tents, all that fun stuff. And we're doing this as an outreach event. We're going to gather at 11 a.m. next week. We'll have our church service. It's going to be more of an outreach-focused service. So we're not going to be having communion that Sunday. We're going to be preaching the good news of the gospel to people that don't know Jesus. That's our, our focus, to show them the love of Christ, to tell them of his good news so that they might experience him. So i got a disclaimer to make for us. We're going into the world. They're not necessarily going to be dressed the way that we want them to as we have an outreach at the beach. I think you guys catch my drift. They may not talk the way that we want them to. Again, we're going into the world. If I hear any of you, any of you uh, disparaging or, or getting on to someone for dressing inappropriately or for talking the way that you wouldn't want them to talk, I will throw a tomato at you. I won't actually, but guys, we're going into the world. We're sharing the good news of the gospel. People don't know the gospel. We can't expect them to live good moral lives until they know Jesus. We're going to share the greatest news that they could possibly hear. Let's not get in our own way. Let's show the great love that God has for them. We're following in Jesus' footsteps by spending time with people that are far from God so that they might come to know Jesus. There's already a lot of people that have been interested in the event in our community. It's really exciting to see people responding to it. But again, we need some more volunteers to help us make this happen. So as you leave, I don't have another form to hand out. I know we could have done another form, but on the back, everyone turn around, okay? We're going to turn around. You see that brown table, the lower brown table at the back of the sanctuary. There's some sheets there. Uh, there's one sheet for all the volunteer positions that we need, and then another sheet for some supplies that we still need. As you leave today, please stop by there and see if there's something that you can help with. There's fun games that you can run. Uh, and, and minister to kids that way, some activities, uh, just being present and playing yard games with one another, helping be a greeter, helping on the setup and teardown crew, all of those things we need help with. And it's going to take an army of us together so that we can go into our community and share the good news of the gospel with them.
Our main task next week is to share God's love, to be friendly and build relationships with those who come. That's what we're doing. We're going out into the world, sharing the good news of the gospel, just like we would if we were Jesus in his time, saying, hey, I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. That's what we're doing into the world. We're going to have a party at the beach next week. We're going to have a church service, and we're going to have some fun, and we're going to do that so that we can have conversations, so that we can meet our neighbors and share the love of Jesus with them. It's putting into action what we've been talking about today. Let me conclude by saying this. God's moving. We're joining him on his mission. He's given us a vision, and the only way we see that vision to be fulfilled is if we say yes to being a part of it. It doesn't happen on its own, and souls hang in the balance. Souls within our community hang in the balance, and the gospel is the only hope. Let's be people who are focused on loving, showing hospitality and serving so that Christ may be glorified here in the North Country. Let's embrace our calling as ambassadors of God and go into our community and make disciples. We stand with me as we pray. Father, we are so thankful that you are a missional God, a God that chases after to seek and save the lost. so thankful to be able to, to be ambassadors of your kingdom, to be vessels of your grace, spokespeople of the good news. And I pray that in this next season, you'll help us to say yes to you, to lay down our preferences, to lay down our conveniences, say yes to where you're leading us. To steward your grace well. To show love and hospitality to the world around us because the end is near. Souls hang in the balance and you're chasing after them. How can they hear unless someone preaches to them? Help us to go forth and preach the good news of the gospel at all times. To be people on mission, to be present here in our community. It's in Christ's name that I pray, amen.